0: Well, I want to begin my sermon today with saying mahalo to Pastor Bob. Bob, thank you so much for your sermon last week. I I was on the boat. I was fishing last Sunday with the men in the church, and I had my phone to my ear listening with bated anticipation for every. I was hanging on every word. What a great message last Sunday. And I appreciate you being honest and forthright with our church. And what an amazing message of a holy church and a holy people. And, uh, and honestly, you, you, you preached about the Holy Spirit at work in us. That Today I was tempted just to preach your sermon all over again because today is Pentecost Sunday and we're going to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the church. Your message was heartfelt and um, I'm so, so grateful for it. As uh, Bill Young said as we began the service, today is Pentecost Sunday. And um, Pentecost Sunday is the day that we remember the birth of the New Testament church. You can find the story of Pentecost Sunday, or Pentecost, in Acts chapter 1 and 2. And, and my encouragement to you is, is to read it today sometime and, and celebrate that day. It's the it's day that we celebrate the birth of our church, the, the church. And it's also the day we focus On the work of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, empowering the disciples of Jesus to begin the New Testament church. And I got to tell you how important that is. Pentecost Sunday is celebrated 50 days after the event. And so basically it's the seven weeks after Easter and which lands on today. And in Acts chapter 1 and 2, you read the story of this amazing event that takes place where the work of the Holy Spirit empowers the disciples of Jesus and the New Testament church is born and started. And I want you to know, as, as Bill so graciously said, that's our history. Without that event, we are not here. But not only is that our history moving forward, church. That is our hope, that the very experience of the indwelling and empowering Holy Spirit on the lives of the disciples would happen for us and in us as well. So it's not just something we read about in history in the book of Acts. It's something that we can experience and live out in this day and age. Now, The work of the Holy Spirit, while it took place in the book of Acts, really the work of the Holy Spirit started a long time ago. In fact, the Holy Spirit, I want you to know, was there at creation from the beginning and the very start of our world. In Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, the Bible begins this way. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So there at creation, the very Spirit of God was, was there, a part of creation, at work already. And you read throughout the Old Testament where people were empowered by the very Spirit of God that leads us to the New Testament to where the Holy Spirit was there to prepare the work for what Jesus would do. And if you, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 1, because that's where we're going to be. But, um, I also, if you can follow along with me, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the work of the Holy Spirit was preparing the way for Jesus, in that the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about this way, that his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, She was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is at work preparing Jesus for the ministry that he was to start. And we read on in Luke chapter 4 that the Holy Spirit was instrumental in the work of preparing Jesus for his earthly ministry. Luke 4, 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days and nights he was tempted by the devil. So we know that the Holy Spirit was there on the day of Pentecost. But I share all of this with you to let you know that that the Holy Spirit was there from the very beginning. And the Holy Spirit was continually at work, doing the work of God, preparing for Jesus to come. And when Jesus came, the Holy Spirit Indwelled within Jesus, to empower Jesus to complete and do all of the work that Jesus did. And then, after Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and in that time between where Jesus rose again from the grave and Pentecost Sunday, those days when Jesus was on the earth preparing his disciples. This took place in John 20, 21, and 22. Jesus appeared to his disciples in that time, and he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Everybody take a deep breath. Ruach, the, 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 the wind the power of God, Jesus gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to his disciples. The third person of the Trinity to be at work in the disciples. And then we turn the page and we get to the book of Acts. And in Acts, we see the work of the Holy Spirit move from the preparation of Jesus' ministry to the preparation of the ministry of the church to continue the work that Jesus began of reconciling the world back to God. The work of the church now is to continue to reconcile people, to get people to turn their attention away from the world back onto God. i got to tell you, As a pastor for the last 25 years, that's not an easy thing to do. And I will tell you this, that you cannot do that without the power of God's Holy Spirit at work in us. So, how does the church church do that? How does the church continue the work of God to reconcile people back to God? I will tell you again, It's not by might, nor is it by power, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So if you have your Bibles, open to to Acts chapter 1. I'm going to read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 8. This is how Pentecost begins to start. This book of Acts is a continuation from the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the writer here. And if you read the beginnings of the Gospel of Luke... He writes to a man named Theophilus, and he's continuing the story here. So read with me in Acts chapter 1, the continuation of the Acts of God. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instruction through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, And after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about, For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And then then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. And then this is verse 8. It's a very familiar verse, one that I'm going to center my, my message around. Jesus says to his disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is the word of God. When we read about the Holy Spirit, the adjective that is often used to describe the Holy Spirit, when we we read about the Holy Spirit, the adjective that is used to describe the Holy Spirit is power or empowerment. There's an empowerment that comes with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowers the church to carry out the work and continue the work that Jesus began. The work of reconciling the world back to God. The, the Holy Spirit is there to empower you and I, the church, to go out into the world, to be a witness in Jerusalem for the people there, in Judea, to Samaria, to the ends of the world. And, and as I look around, I'm going to call out where people live, right? In Del Cerro, and in Claremont, and in Tierra Santa and in Allied Gardens, and, 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 and even beyond, To all the places where we live, we are called to be witnesses for God and be empowered by the Holy Spirit, then to reconcile people back to God. That is the role of the church. And today, what I want to do is just take some time to look at how the Holy Spirit empowers the church, how the Holy Spirit empowers you and me, Bob. How does the Holy Spirit do that to help us to be a witness to our world? Because that church is our ecclesiology, the series that we're in. This is why we are the church. So I want to begin with the simple part, right? That's what we want to do. We want to start with the simple, and then we're going to move to the challenging. The simple part begins this way, that we're called to be witnesses, right? Right? And I think everybody knows what a witness is. A witness is simply a person who testifies about what they've seen, what they've heard, or what they have experienced, right? You can testify in a courtroom, things that you've seen. Some of you may have done that. I have seen people testify in front of Congress uh, of their knowledge and wisdom of certain things that that they're experts of. But basically, a, a, a witness is a person who testifies to something they've seen, heard, or experienced. But we are here, church, to be witnesses for God. Right? Not for some courtroom or congressional hearing. We are witnesses for God to the world. Which leads me to a really important question. What does your witness to the world say about God? What does my witness to the world say about God? When people who don't know Jesus look at me because I'm a Christian I'm a Christ follower what does my witness tell others about who my God is? What is what does that say? What does your witness say about who God is, to the people who do not believe in Jesus yet, but they look into your life, What does your life say to them? My hope and my prayer is at the bare minimum, it should say that we are believers in Jesus. We are. Christians we have put our faith in Christ we are Christ followers that Jesus is my Savior and he is my Lord and I have placed my faith in him he has loved me he has forgiven me and I believe and I stand on the promises of God and scripture that one day when Jesus returns and if I'm still here he will take me home to be with me to, for me to be with him. That, that should be the bare minimum of our testimony to the world. And if that's your testimony, that's good. But you know what I have found? That people who don't believe in Jesus yet will hear my testimony and be happy for me. But that kind of testimony doesn't convince others to put their faith in Jesus. It's true. You ever try telling people about your Jesus and how, what he means to you and want them to believe in that same Jesus? Did they, did they, did they crash down the doors? Are they breaking in to say, i got to be there and, and experience that. How's that going for you? <laughs> right? The truth is not many people will be compelled to respond to Jesus just because we believe in Him. That's the truth. And and, and along with that, what part does the Holy Spirit have to play when I share that testimony, right? Now, the easy answer to this is maybe the Holy Spirit will empower what I say and share to people, Kind of like what Simon Peter shared with people on the day of Pentecost, right? In Acts chapter 2, when he, when he called them to repent and believe for the kingdom of God is at hand. And on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, we read 3,000 people were baptized that day because Simon Peter was empowered with the Holy Spirit. And the words that he shared transformed those lives. And if that's... Our thought of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit would empower itself in our words as we share, and 3,000 people will come to know Jesus and get baptized. If that's our thought, good luck. How's it going? Is it going well? Or does that, or does that fall short of what I believe the empowerment of God's Holy Spirit really is calling us to be and do. I've shared that testimony about my life to others. And I can tell you, people were happy for me. Oh, I'm glad that your, your God forgave your sins. And I'm glad that you believe in the promises of eternal life with God. Good luck on that. <laughs> But I didn't ever experience masses of people coming to the altar, finding Jesus, just because I knew Jesus. And I have a great relationship with him. And he's forgiven my sins. People don't respond to that the way we think. And so, I think there is a deeper empowerment that God wants us to experience and have that I believe is compelling to the world, that when the Holy Spirit empowers us, the harder way, not the easy way of just bearing witness to what I'm experiencing like just my, in my own life, but the real transformation that happens in people's lives and the empowerment that takes place there, that, to me, I believe, is when people are compelled to tune in, to hear about what God is doing in our lives. So, the empowerment doesn't come just by what we say. The power of God's Holy Spirit, which is, this is the harder part, right? The easy part is just to be a witness. The harder part, the harder part is to allow the Holy Spirit as our witness to first Come with the transforming work of God in my life. For me to be open, to be used, to be, to be transformed by God so that the transformation that takes place in my life can bear that witness to the world. And I want you to know that that, that is the harder part because that calls us to move deeply into this relationship with God to where we are completely honest with God to say, God, I failed. And I'm not perfect. And I am broken. And I need you. And to allow the Holy Spirit to come into these broken places in our lives so that we can be healed, we can, be, we can be changed and transformed from the people who we used to be to becoming the people who God envisioned and wants us to be and use that to share with the world the way God has been changing us. You see, what's going to convince those that you, that who don't know Jesus to follow him and to begin their journey back to the road of reconciliation to God is for my testimony to say that my life has been dramatically changed by God. And I have completely surrendered to God and I am being transformed and shaped by God's word and the power of his Holy Spirit. You see, church, it's when my testimony is this, that God's not done with me yet. And I appreciate so much about so many people in this church, Pastor Bob being one of them, who have shared with me honestly the transition of his life to being retired and how difficult that was and needing God to meet him where he's at, to help him to move forward. Thank you for being honest with me. See, that kind of honesty is what captures our attention. And it's not... Oh, I'm good. Yeah, follow Jesus and everything is good. No. People cannot relate with the perfection of our lives because their lives aren't perfect. You know what they can relate with? The brokenness that is being restored, the hurt that is being healed. People can relate with the falling short and missing the mark to be forgiven. And restored and redeemed and saying, I'm not perfect, but God still loves me. And he's accepted me. And he's changing me so that I'm not the man that I used to be. He's transforming me. And when people who know you see that transformation, they're like, yeah, yeah. I see that. And church, that's compelling. That is compelling. But truly, that's the hard work. That's the hard work of being honest with God and with people. It's the hard work of allowing God to move you and shape you and mold you into being the person that God is calling you to be. Because it probably isn't the person that you're right now. When my testimony is honest and I tell God I've fallen short and God is picking me up when I've shared with God of my brokenness and God repairs me when I tell God that I have been lost and I've been wrong and God finds me and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake when I get past the place where I think that I'm good and perfect I come to the hard place of knowing that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, including me, your pastor. (laughs) When we get to that place of honesty, that's when God empowers us to be his real witnesses in this world. Because there is where transformation takes place. There is where the change happens for all of us. Because when you look back into the story of God, as we look at the day of Pentecost and the people that God used in this amazing event, who did he use? The perfect people? No, not even close. He used people like Simon Peter and Saul. (laughs) You know their stories, right? Simon Peter, the brash, boastful loud-mouthed disciple who told Jesus boldly, I will die with you if it requires that, only to have Jesus after being arrested. Simon Peter denies knowing him three times to save his own skin. You know that falling short? Only to be picked up and restored. And ask the same question. Simon Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you? Feed my sheep. And when he asked him the third time, Simon Peter cried. You know that story, John chapter 20. When Jesus restored Simon Peter, Simon's life was transformed. And it is that transformed life where that testimony can take place in Acts chapter 2 and testify. To this amazing grace of God, even for a guy like me, who denied Jesus three times. (laughs) I'm totally unworthy of God's grace, but he's given it to me anyway. Or or, or Saul, who we call the Apostle Paul. Even worse, even worse, Saul persecuted Jesus, or Christians, And the church to the point of imprisonment and death. He did not want to see the movement of Christ move forward. And by the power that was invested in him, he began arresting Christians and throwing them in jail and on his way to Damascus to find the Christians that were there. Jesus meets Saul on that road. And he says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul says, Who are you? And Jesus says, I am the Lord. And Saul is taken into the city of Damascus on straight street at Judas' house. We know this because it's in the Bible. And Ananias is sent there. And when Ananias comes to, to Saul, and hear what he says in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it and placed his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you. He sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from the eyes of Saul and he could see again and he got up And he was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained strength. And as you read on, this Saul became the Apostle Paul. He went on three missionary journeys, starting and organizing churches in the world as we know it at that time. And Saul, the Apostle Paul, wrote most of the New Testament. Who'd have thought? a guy like that, the persecutor of Christians and the church, would be empowered to do all of the things that he did. I tell you, it's not just because they said, I know Jesus and he saved me. It's because they were totally transformed. And they allowed the Holy Spirit to move them and shift them and transform them into the kind of people who, when they shared a testimony, the people saw and said, yeah, you're not perfect. and Neither am I. And if God can save you, <laughs> then surely He can save me too. And I want you to know, church, That this power, this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it's not just for spiritual giants like Simon Peter and the Apostle Paul. In fact, they were not spiritual giants at all. They were no different from you and I. They were people willing to be used by God, to be changed by God. And all of us have that potential because the power of the Holy Spirit is life-changing life changing for others when it is first life-changing for us. Because we can't expect God to go change other people when we're not willing to be changed ourselves. And again, you don't need to be a preacher. You don't even need to know all the answers in the Bible. All you need is a clear witness of what Jesus has done in me and what Jesus has done in you. Because the people in your life will see it and they will know, this is what God did for me. You know me. Yeah, I do. Some people from my own personal past, if they knew that I was a pastor, would be shocked and amazed. (laughs) You, a pastor, and that's the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us the witness and testimony that we heard on Easter Sunday as people were being baptized. When people stood here with the microphone. When Serenity and Nicole and Perla and Vivi, when they stood here and told you about how their lives were transformed and changed and you were sitting there in your seat, did you feel that? That's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit at work in people's lives. And the witness of the transforming work impacted us all. That's the same witness that when Renata stood here a couple of weeks ago and talked about when she took a step of faith to go to Brazil and allow God to use her and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in her life so that she could serve and minister to others there. And every time you go on a, a trip and you step out of your comfort zone, because that's the hard part, right? To be honest with yourself, say, I'm not worthy. To be honest and say, oh, I, it's very inconvenient to go on the family mission trip during that time between Christmas and Christmas. A new year, but I'm going to make the effort and go and allow God's Holy Spirit to work in me. And when you come back, the reason you're not the same, the reason that you have been changed is because you have met with God and His Holy Spirit is transforming you. I have experienced that. That's why I want to invite you to join us every chance we go on a mission trip. I know Vic is planning one uh, pretty soon to go. Vic, where are you going? To Bolivia. Holy cow. Do you want to see God work? And you go with Vic to Bolivia. You can't afford it? Don't worry. God can. And those are the miracles that God uses so that you can testify to his amazing greatness. See, the kingdom of God does not advance through amazing signs and wonders. Doesn't. the kingdom of God does not advance just because we do good deeds the kingdom of God does not advance with violence or force the kingdom of God advances through the clear witness of honest disciples of Jesus who testify that the grace of Jesus has saved me and I am not the same person anymore and the people that know me see it And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that God is changing and transforming me. By the power of God, I am becoming whole again. I am being healed physically and spiritually by the power of the Holy Spirit. What is happening to me can only come You know what we call that in the church? Revival. And Many people have prayed for that in this church. And more than just praying for it, why don't we live it? Why don't we be the answer to our prayers to allow the Holy Spirit freedom to work in me?